back to the Founded on Christ podcast. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's continuing to listen to this podcast, to find stuff of value, what you get from it, uh, and encourage you to share it. If you feel like it is something that is of value, you feel like it could benefit someone else's life, would I would ask that you find a place to, to spread the word on to somebody else. Um, as a reminder, uh, I keep this channel open with an invitation for anyone else who would like to give their testimonies of Christ or have uh, you know, uh, thoughts and feelings or testimonies that they would like to give, uh, that you can send those into the Founded on Christ podcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. And uh, I will take it from there and put them up on the feed. Um, this week, I had, well, I had intended to do something specific for Easter, <laughs> uh, like every other Christian-focused fo- podcast, right? Either it's Easter or Passover. Um, but uh, I, I may jump around a little bit uh, today. There's a few things on my mind that I've had thoughts about, and, and hopefully this all will make sense in the end. So bear with me if it feels a little, uh, a little stuttered, maybe a little uh, untied together, but I'll do my best. I was initially I was thinking about uh, the triumphal entry that Christ has into Jerusalem, and uh, the uh, the the paradoxical nature of of the fact that he's welcome in welcomed in with fanfare, pomp, and circumstance, and then you know less than a week later he's uh, being called to be crucified in front of, you know, the people. Now, granted, you probably, you know, make the case that Jerusalem is a big city and uh, maybe not be the same people (laughs) doing both of those things. But uh, I always, I like the first part of that week. I like how it starts. And it's always a good reminder to me to have Christ have a triumphant entry into my heart, into my life. And the end of the week is also a good Hmm, a good reminder that just because I've been asked to do hard things by allowing Christ to enter into my heart, that I shouldn't be casting him out uh, because of the difficult or hard things I'm asked to do. And uh, I guess you could say the brutality of what happened on the cross uh, helps me keep in focus on Christ and keeping him in the correct place. Uh, the whole events of, of the week, you are very significant. And if you haven't, I encourage you to, to study each one and, and uh, find, find the symbolism for each of those days and the significance of it for each in our lives. But obviously the, the crowning events of, of Christ's suffering in the garden and his eventual resurrection are amazing. They are the, the pinnacle, right? If, if ever hyperbole is used correctly to describe something, it's always in the atonement and in, in the resurrection. Those are the, the pinnacle of this creation. Uh, next to the creation, it may be the most significant thing that's ever happened on this earth. And I think it is, it is fitting and it is plainness to my soul and, and peace to it that we revolve around 
that event, that our worship, the way we live our lives revolves around that. And so along those lines of the resurrection, uh, I was thinking about something that a friend once brought up to me about the, the idea of entropy. That's E-N-T-R-O-P-H-Y, entropy. And uh, this is, you know, when if you ever hear, you know, scientists talking about the heat death of the universe or the eventual uh, uh, destruction of everything down to atoms, uh, that's what they're talking about. And uh, though it sounds like doomsday talk from the world most of the time, there's actually some truth to that. Uh, you know, take some sec, take some seconds. Yes, take a few seconds, take a minute even, um, to think about all the aspects of your life and realize that all of them, because of the nature of the world that we live in, eventually die out, fall apart, break, uh, loosen, um, decay, all of that. That is the natural state of everything that we have. Nothing really that we have in this life is permanent. And honestly, that goes back to the scriptures. I'm going to go to Moses chapter 4, and this is Garden of Eden with Adam. And I'm going to verse 23, about halfway through. And it says, Cursed shall be the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. By the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, that until that thou shalt return to, unto the ground. For surely, for thou surely shalt die, shalt surely die. For out of it was wast thou taken, for dust thou wast, and wast, and unto dust shalt thou return. So, despite my uh, inability to read that very well, uh, you get the idea that from the very beginning, uh, after partaking of the fruit and being ushered out of the garden, this world entered into decay. It entered into a state of entropy, which is chaos, uncontrolled decay, everything eventually breaks down. And that, the fall, uh, this inverse action, this compound in one to the eventual resurrection and entombment of Christ, they work together. They, they highlight each other and they, they talk about the significance of each other. Being in this fallen world, in this state of entropy is important. Because of that nature, we get tested on a level that would not be available to us otherwise. We get to grow, we get to expand, we get to work, we get to deal with the frustrations of life, earning a paycheck, making the money, getting the bread, you know, filling up on gas, which is really difficult right now, um, you know, dealing with clothes, you know, and, and, and the baby needs shoes, right? The baby always needs the shoes, right? So that is, that's the natural state of the earth, right? But there's hope. And that was always how it was from the beginning. Going to DNC 122. And I think about this, this decay, right? And can this be stopped? <laughs> you know, is, is there any means by which all of this can be corrected? And the answer is by the world. No, though we try and, and we, we, seek after it. Science is constantly looking after that answer. Uh, we do not sufficiently have the power to do so. We need something or someone 
who has the ability to reach down into the depths of this entropy of this chaos and turn it around and correct it. And when I think about that, I think of DNC 122 verse eight, it says, well, well, a little preface, uh, the, you know, the verses leading up to this, uh, God is describing to Joseph Smith, all of the horrible things that can happen to him. He leads them up in, in degrees of, of craziness and degrees of, of, uh, how would I put this degrees of, of frustration and hardness, you know, of how difficult they will be to overcome. There we go. Um, but in verse eight, he says, the son of man hath to hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? And that, when I read that, that is the answer to me. This entropy, this heat death, the decay that we, we deal with Christ by nature of the atonement descended below everything. He reached down into the darkest depths of where these, where our chaotic lives would reach. He went underneath it. He swept underneath and he returned. He made a U-turn and he, he, uh, brought it back. He corrected it. Not that we now experience that here in this earth, but he corrected that decay in such a way that when the time is ready, when his purposes are fulfilled, when he, you know, as he's crowned, uh, the next father because of his actions, he will return this earth back. He will have swept it up. And, uh, I love for any of you, you know, fantasy nerds out there, I, I've always been fascinated with the concept of a phoenix. Uh, anyone who doesn't know, a phoenix is a mythical bird that is made of fire and uh, power and glory and uh, associated with, uh, with healing as well, oftentimes. And, and the nature of a phoenix is that it lives out its lifespan and then in a, a, you know, a puff of, of glory of fire, you know, when it reaches its end of its lifespan, it dies, it decays, it bursts into flames and becomes ashes. But out of the ashes, it is reborn and it comes out fresh and new. And, uh, from a lot of mythological, you know, stories, that's usually when it's healing is the most potent. And uh, it rises and, and moves forward in a new lifespan. And for me, every time I've thought about the Phoenix, I could not think of a better metaphor for the Savior. Um, for me, the, the atonement is, is that moment. Christ in a puff of glory, fire. I mean, he is, you know, I think, I don't think anyone would disagree that Christ would be described as probably a being of fire and glory. And, uh, oftentimes the healing, uh, described from a Phoenix has to do with being cleansed by fire, which is definitely significant when you consider the baptism of fire and the Holy ghost and how important that is to our ascension. But in this puff of glory as, as Christ performed the atonement and he died on the cross, he, you know, he fell to ashes, so to speak. But on the third day, he arose again, a newborn Phoenix with fire and glory. And, and I want to read specifically, I always think about this when I read this particular scripture, it is 
This is the first time I remember reading it. Maybe elsewhere, but this is 2 Nephi 25, verse 13. And this is Nephi after reading the words of Isaiah and really being fulfilled by them. Uh, he says, Behold, they will crucify him. And after he is laid in a sepulcher for the space of three days, he shall rise from the dead with healing in his wings. And all those who shall believe on his name shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Wherefore, my soul delighteth to prophesy concerning him. For I have seen his day, and my heart doth magnify his holy name. So every time I read that, and it's always it's always associated with his death and resurrection. It says that he rises with healing in his wings. And so despite all the different sources that people may say, for what the phoenix is or was or how it came about. Uh, you know, most ties bring it back to Greek and then Egyptian, which where do you guys think the Egyptian got most of their uh, mythologies, most of their understandings of the universe? Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't just from themselves. Um, it was definitely a, a repurpose, repurposing of what Adam taught. And so I do believe that the real meaning of the phoenix goes back to the Savior. So on this day, you know, as we've we've passed through Passover and we have uh, worshipped through the, the week of the atonement and the resurrection, and as we move forward for the next year, let us remember and worship the true phoenix of this eternal round, the, the person on who... All of this is pinned on who did not fail us and who does rise with healing in his wings. There's so much I could spend a whole podcast just on that, on the concept of Christ rising with healing in his wings. And that I, I testify of his holy name, of his holy mission, of his, of his positive influence in my life personally. And his positive influence on the universe in correcting this entropy and and the beauty that it can be that big and that small for me personally and for the universe at large and i say these things in his holy name jesus christ amen <laughs>